From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Lincoln President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. But I'm really looking forward to our discussion this week. I'm, I'm excited, Mark. Um, here last month, we had uh, Lincoln Police Chief Michonne Morrow at our Leva lunch, and um, there was just so much great information that she shared at the lunch that I wanted to bring her into the podcast, and she's got the full episode, so this is this is the Michonne Morrow uh, show. Yes, we're going to give her the, the microphone, so to speak. Um, I've got to give her props for that leave a lunch, because I think you'd been up like 30-some hours. You... Yeah, I think by the time that I spoke at the luncheon, it was at least 26, 27 hours. Well, That's yeah, because correct. that was... Okay, so you were in California. First of all, welcome to the Thanks. podcast. <laughs> Thank Steve. you. What's Thanks for glad, having me. I'm glad to have you. And I would just let you know that, you know, because we're an equal opportunity podcast, we're also having the other chief from Lincoln in on our podcast coming up. So or be, we had him last week. That's right. Okay. He'd be uh, amazing. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so on that story that Mark's talking about, you were in San Diego, mm-hmm. you got up early in the morning, you flew home, you got back into Omaha very late and that's you correct. got on the interstate and there was an officer involved shooting. Yeah, that's correct. And so you came straight back and went to work and came to the Lebo lunch and, and did a great job. Wouldn't have missed it. Yeah, it was a, it was a grand slam. Uh, I mean, the information uh, that you laid out was was absolutely. Uh, I, I I was t- blown away by it, to be quite honest. And I've been in this business a long time, and not a lot blows me away. But that the data that you had and and the the processes that the department's gone through very impressive. Thank you. I, you know, and I want to give, um, if I can, a shout out to our leadership team. Certainly, commitment. Um, to Liba and wanting to be there that we we had prepared and um, were ready to go. The reason that I was able to unplug is even though we had the officer-involved shooting investigation ongoing is that we have a tremendous team that all pulled together and was working really hard and felt very confident that at that point they were on the path that they needed to be on and where I could step aside and, and fully believe that we were going to continue and get to the successful conclusion of that investigation. Very good. So I'm going to kick off because, well, you kind of kicked off uh, when you spoke with our, our members at that luncheon. You talked about how you reached the decision to go into law enforcement because that was not your intention when you went to right. become a student at Nebraska Wesleyan. Would you share that story again? Because I think it's a powerful story about how we get drawn to something and what events can happen in our lives that take us down a certain path. Yeah, sure. So I I started the story and I will um, again today in making sure that it's clear that I I grew up in law enforcement. So my dad was, when I was a a little girl in Gotham, Cozad, Gothenburg, Lexington, Nebraska, that he was a deputy in Dawson County. Then he was sheriff for a time in Dawson County and then chief of police in Lexington. So I, I grew up in law enforcement and certainly uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching my dad and 
kind of being daddy's little girl at the police department and getting to ride in the back of cruisers. But as I grew older, there was a point in time where um, I was confident that I was not going to follow in his footsteps and wanted to blaze my own path in life. And when I graduated from high school, my um, intention was to go to medical school. So I started Nebraska Wesleyan University because we had moved to, to Lincoln at that point when my dad was um, selected under Bob Carey as chief executive of the Crime Commission. So here, had been in Lincoln for some time since I was in sixth grade, but had decided Nebraska Wesleyan was where I was going to go for a dual major of biopsychology, wanting to pursue a medical career. But my first year of college, I became a victim of a crime. It was actually stalking and made a couple, several, um, if I'm being honest, reports to the Lincoln Police Department. And for the first time since I'd been in Lincoln, really got to experience some engagement with the officers serving the department at that time. And um, while at that point, I didn't think that there was any services that I needed, I got a letter in the mail from the Victim Assistance Unit. It was the Victim Witness Unit. We've changed the name, but then it was the Victim Witness Unit. And it described some of the services that they provided and um, how they support victims. And I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. Not really experienced anything like this in conversations um, growing up in law enforcement. And because there was still a wee bit of me that was interested in criminal justice, it was actually still my minor. So I was biopsychology dual major and a dual minor in Spanish in criminal justice. Uh, with that, I was in a sociology class where I needed to do an internship, and it timed with getting that letter. So I called out of sheer curiosity and spoke to, at that time, the director of the victim witness unit, Joanna Swoboda. Uh, and I will say it over and over and she knows this that it was just a life-changing moment for me the passion that she had for the work that she did serving victims just spoke to me in a way that I hadn't experienced before and quickly asked her if I could come down and have a conversation with her about doing an internship at the police department in, in her unit and she invited me down and well, I was 19 at the time, my first year at Nebraska Wesleyan University, and I never left. That's awesome. I, w when you told that story, I mean, there are a lot of things we don't know. You're on the job I, for, what, about four or five months now. Um, there's a lot of things we don't know, but I, I sat there and I listened to you tell that story, and it just, it was one of those times where you hear someone's story, and, and I, that's one of the things I love getting to know people is what's your story? Like with business owners, like what's your story? How did you come to whatever their business is? And I just thought it was, it was fascinating because at 19, mm -hmm. you started an internship with the Lincoln police department and I'm pretty sure you haven't left. Nope. I have not, and so not left. <laughs> talk about kind of how you went from that internship, um, you know, and now you're the police, the police, uh, chief of police in Lincoln, Nebraska. Like that is the true, I worked my way literally through the entire organization to get there. Yeah. Well, I'll give away how old I am, but th that was about 30. Math is not allowed. Ma math is not math allowed. Math is not allowed so. by our <laughs> listeners, just as a caveat. Yeah, unless there's a spreadsheet attached. To okay. It. Yes. Fair then enough. I love spreadsheets. But you've been with the department since the 90s. Yeah, so that was 30 years in the making, almost, now, from when I started at 19. You know, it, it really, the stars aligned, and it felt 
exactly where I needed to be. I always felt welcome um, and valued and supported no matter where I was at in different positions that I experienced. But that time when I did the internship, when the internship was finished, I decided to stay. So I continued on and was a volunteer while still taking my classes working at Arby's. I worked at, you know, at Arby's for my income at that point in time. And they applied for a new grant. And that grant was to support advocacy services for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. And it was a three-quarter grant. So it wasn't a full-time grant, which allowed me the opportunity to apply and still be able to manage my classes and my work at Arby's. So um, <laughs> I, I was blessed. I put in for that position and was selected. And I carried that position out until I graduated from college and made a decision um, in kind of that work that I was doing in the, the victim assistance unit now, serving victims, that the impact that I was having was... Um, it spoke to me, but I, I wanted to be one of those on the front end of interacting with those victims instead of on the back end after they've had that original contact with law enforcement. So after I graduated, um, actually shortly before I graduated, they opened up the application process for commissioned officers, so I applied. I went through that process and was hired and started the academy in August of 97. Wow, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's really cool to see somebody as they move through an organization. Um, and, and I mean, in this day and age for someone to stay at LPD or anywhere for a number of years like that is, is becoming more and more rare. So now you've worked your way all the way up to the top, the top floor, so to speak, the, the <laughs> yeah. top job in the department and, and, and coming in, uh, you were appointed as the acting chief in earlier this summer. Correct. And, Talk about what you've tried to do, just, you know, morale side, working with the officers, all those kind of things. Like, what are the things you've tried to do over the last four or five months to kind of just get the department kind of just, we're all good, we're all rowing in the same direction kind of thing? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You already hit on a lot of the topics. Um, going back to my story and that why and wanting to understand the why of somebody's decisions and how they end up um, where they're at for our current leadership team and philosophy. It's to take that question of why and expand it on the entire department. So we've had some really good conversations even prior to me taking on the acting chief role of what recruitment looks like for us and how how do we reach that next generation of law enforcement. And we really are focusing on the why of why we are here and how we serve our community. And with that on the, the leadership side, and uh, I mean, let's face it, law enforcement across the country is having a difficult time with recruiting and retention, certainly started in 2020. And we are no different than some of the, the other agencies out there where we are, um, we're searching for those, that right person to sit in our academies and, that right person needs us to reach them. And so our, our messaging and what we offer is something that we are really taking a look at. And really that boils down to our commitment and recommitting to our why. And so we've had um, some really good discussions and what we're calling forecasting at the department on our mission statement and why, why we're here and who we are and how we serve our community and how we show up on calls for service. And then 
most importantly, how we're showing up as a leadership team for those that we're serving within our own four walls. Um, it, it goes without saying that those that are already here, they are our best recruiters. And how we care for them is how we can anticipate two things. One, how they serve our community. And two, how they sell service at the Lincoln Police Department to potential applicants. Awesome. So I, I think it's interesting you've talked about reaching that next generation. And I'm going to give you and, and your folks props because last week was the Pathway Summit at the Career Academy. And I know you had a conflict in your schedule, but you were able to get someone out there to be out there to engage with the instructors and, and kind of build those connections. And I think that's great. And um, And I love that because my daughter... Our middle daughter, sorry, Nikki, our middle daughter went through the Career Academy, and of all the kids in the world, for her to come home and say, I want to go to criminal justice was shocking. I think and it's fantastic. I, I was just like, Allie doesn't seem like that girl, um, and I never would have guessed, um, and so she goes in and she gets into the um, criminal justice program out at Career Academy, which is at the time the hardest one to get into, still one of the hardest. And she goes through it. She loves it. She goes off to college. That's what she wants to do. She switched colleges this year, and she's like, I think I'm going to go psychology, but I'll minor in criminal justice. And she walked in, and she called like two weeks into the, the semester. She called her mom and said, I'm going to keep my major. I'm going to switch my major back to criminal justice. And, you know, Nikki's like, what gives? And she says, this instructor. And she's got this instructor, which she had at the Career Academy, too. Um, so I think just that engaging that group, and, and I think I've told you the story, too. When I was a young kid, I've been a big fan of LPD for a long time, um, except for when I choose to exceed the speed limit, and then I'm just frustrated <laughs> at myself. But anyway... But um, when I was a kid in the 80s in Lincoln, and you and I are pretty close to the same age, you're younger than I am, but, like, the officers would stop in the neighborhood and play football with us. Mm -hmm. And it was like you met them and you gained a level of respect. And I don't know, do you remember the Chiefs cards? Were you around Lincoln when the officers used to give out Chiefs cards? I don't know if I remember those. We've always had our canine cards. But these are like Kansas City Chief football players' cards that were given out by LPD. And there's like, they had like 10 or 12 or 15 players. It wasn't the, the entire team. But like, we were on a mission to, to engage with police officers positively to collect the chief's cards. So like when you hear about those things, like I think those are things that although law enforcement isn't what I've gone down, but the respect that is built in that community that's built, I think is, is pretty awesome. So. Yeah. And in truth be told my, my conflict, I had gone on a vacation. And so my conflict and why I didn't make it out there, I I'm a teammate. And so I, I have a, a young gal who I, I get to spend one day a week with, and I missed two weeks with her. While you were gone. While, so I, was, you... while I was gone. And so I stayed longer, uh, and that's why I missed, because I wanted to spend time with her. But I say that because um, I understand what you're saying and how we can connect and build relationships differently. It's very important for me and many that serve at the department to build those relationships and give back to the community. So you do, you see them volunteering at organizations that speak to them. We don't dictate that. 
Um, and then so many different events that we put together that allow for that beyond just the stopping and playing basketball. Um, you know, now sometimes it's in the neighborhoods, but it's also at our rec centers with Parks and Rec and, and getting so out and engaging. I'm hoping that we see a TikTok video of an LPD officer, like dancing with one of the dance teams at a basketball game. Like those are the TikTok video that I'm looking for. Right. And I've got a few officers I know that I'd like to nominate for that. It would not, just be, because, it would not be me. My, just because my I want to see them dancing. Me. But, um, but anyway, that kudos to you for honoring that commitment, because I think that just serves to your why my opinion, my observation. So I'm going to shift gears. Otherwise we're going to be here all day. I've got one, one other question I want to throw out here for this segment. Um, you started as an intern, worked into the, then became a commissioned officer, but in recent years, you've held different positions. You Mm -hmm. were most recently as part of the the command staff that dealt with a lot of things, uh, going back uh, a few years ago. How does that, uh, translate into how you work with the people you work with those experiences i mean you've experienced virtually everything that you could experience at lpd is that a benefit it's a a huge benefit and i i will tell you that the lens that i see that through is one of gratefulness all of the opportunities that have helped develop me professionally and and who i am today were presented to me by different leaders within our organization. Uh, and I owe a lot to them. And for me, that is making sure that we stay committed as a leadership team to continue to develop and mentor the next generation of, of leaders to continue to serve. Um, all leadership should be looking at trying to make things better, um, and passing it off in good hands so they can continue that, that growth. I, I don't buy into the, you know, I had to walk to school barefoot both ways uphill, uphill in, the, in snow. the snow, in a blizzard, <laughs> right. it was all, 30 all below. Of that. Just so the experiences that, that I had and opportunities, I, I hold close in my thoughts because it helps form uh, the different decisions that we're making and opportunities that we're creating. You know, I, I had an opportunity to be a instructor in our academy. I've been a field training officer. I was sergeant. I was in investigations. Um, so that was an opportunity with everything that I brought from the time in victim assistance. I was the first domestic violence investigator for our department. Now, there's still only one since 2000 and I think five is when I held that role. Wow. So. That is one of the things that we are growing and will continue to grow. But all of all of that and how I see the department and the, the team that we have um, working together very much in concert is focusing on on internally of our department and what those needs are continue to continue our growth and be supportive and show value for those that are doing the service. Um, while we're also listening to our community and what the community needs. So one of the, you know, we have our mission statement, but one of the philosophies that we've embraced is stolen uh, from Valor. I, I, I get to participate in a lot of other opportunities outside of the department that really, again, stem from opportunities I've had here. So I instruct leadership across the country through the International Associations of Chiefs of Police, and I also interact with Valor and have taught with them as well. And their philosophy is mission first, people always. 
And so that is why we continue to revisit what our mission is. That is our why and our purpose for existing um, as an organization within the community. But once we have a decision that is made and it's tied to that mission, then we're going to move forward. But it needs to be done in the lens of people first. And that's the commitment to those that are here within our organization serving that how can we implement this to have the least amount of negative impact and provide value and opportunity for those. Awesome. So in our deep dive segment, we're going to talk a little bit about staffing, um, which I think you addressed really well at our luncheon. But before we do that, I want to um, just ask a couple of real quick questions. So what are the things that we're seeing around town right now that maybe business owners and citizens should be looking for? Is it catalytic converters? Is it car theft? Or what are those kind of things? What are, what are you seeing, Chief, that we should kind of keep our eyes peeled for? You know, we are still seeing a significant increase in the auto thefts. And that that really is... We've um, gone from the catalytic converter to the whole kit and caboodle. We have. What I, You know, let's reflect back for a half second on the catalytic converters because that is something to lift up in terms of we saw a problem, a significant problem that was impacting our community. It's pricey, right, mm-hmm. to replace your catalytic converter. And we partnered with so many different organizations and and other entities within city government and state government to have a conversation of how can we impact this. And we did successfully with city ordinance and some of the businesses within our city. And we believe that that's going to continue to grow at a state level. We've seen the number of catalytic converter thefts decrease substantially. So now we are, we're now we're onto the whole, we're onto the whole car. Uh, What we really need is a partnership. There's one thing about law enforcement that I repeat over and over, and that this is a team sport. There's very little that we do that we do solo or that we should do solo. And uh, we really need to continue education on the auto thefts. I know, especially with winter coming, it's cold. If, if you park in a, a driveway or on the street in front of your residence or apartment, whatever you know your home base is, you want to turn that car on and let it warm up. Um, unfortunately, it just opens the an opportunity. It lessens the work that they have to do to take it from you. And again, over the summer and actually for a period of time, we're seeing those increase substantially. So making sure that you're keeping your valuables out of your car overnight, locking your vehicle, don't leave the keys in the vehicle. If you happen to have that Hyundai um, car that we're in Kia that we're seeing uh, because of a TikTok (laughs) that kind of like spurred um, out of control uh, because those are some of the models that we're seeing the most thefts in. There are steps that you can take. You can go to the dealer. You can have an upgrade. I think it's 2011 to 2017. There are some upgrades that they can make within the systems to lessen um, the likelihood that they can get in that quick. Um, there's also locks. While it's an inconvenience, it's probably more of an inconvenience to not have your car. And then yes. we're going to continue on our end um, to work with our partners, making sure that we have we have details and that we're holding those offenders accountable to the best of our abilities. What else besides car thefts have you seen? Any other things that like you look at the reports and go, hmm, we're seeing a little more of that. Is there any of those things right now? You know, I don't know that there is anything... Um, that is risen to that level. You know, we are, we we do continue to see some of the 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 violent criminal acts. We we have had some more shootings that we continue to work very hard on with our criminal investigative units and then our partners. 
Um, at this point, uh, again, we're we're working on all of those issues. We want to make sure that we have a good, safe community. Um, it does it does take a village. Um, I just some wanted, of these. wanted one more thing on auto thefts. You've, yeah. you've had a reasonably good recovery rate compared to a lot of cities. We we do. The one thing that I want to point out, because I, I don't want anyone to, to take that as we'll get your car back. It's not always back in one piece. Um, what we are seeing, um, and specifically with the auto thefts, but if there is something else that we are seeing, we're seeing a younger generation of offenders. Our auto thefts, some of the clearances that we have had, the youth have been as young as 12 years old. And so we are, we are working, um, having conversations with our partners and how do we best deter them and hold them accountable. Um, obviously, you know, recognizing their age, but correcting that behavior so it's not a continued path. It is, it is an incorrect thought process to believe that an auto theft is a victimless crime. Um, these these youth don't have experience driving vehicles. We are seeing them wreck vehicles. Their driving behavior is dangerous and can be reckless. So we have concern for others um, driving on our streets when they are out driving these stolen vehicles. Uh, additionally, those that lose their vehicle, I mean, these are they're individuals that need to go to work, that need to take their kids to school, and if they can't make it to work, you know, then their financial income that cares for their family could be in jeopardy. So there is, there is a lot more going on than it's just an auto theft and we might get your car back or insurance mm -hmm. may or may not cover it that, that we're considering when we're conducting these investigations. Good. Last thing real quick. It seems to me, um, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me like we're seeing more fatal auto accidents. Is that accurate or is it about the same? I, I don't know, but it just feels like lately, and we it's, it feels like we go in ebbs and flows, but it seems like over the last couple of years, it just feels like we're hearing more about that. Is that accurate? And also then, you know, give a quick word of advice before we go to break here on how we avoid fatal accidents at high speeds. Yeah. Um, I don't have the numbers with me, but um, I feel those numbers too. Anytime we have a, a fatal accident, it's a loss. My my best word of advice is, I mean, just the driving behaviors that we sometimes see is is really just selfish. Take your time, slow down, put the phone down, recognize that there are others around you trying to get to a destination as well, and we'll eventually get there. And going over the speed limit, even, you know, 5, 10, sometimes 15, 20 miles an hour, really at the end of the day is only going to get you somewhere maybe a minute or two or three faster, and it's not worth it. It's not worth the jeopardy that you're putting yourselves in, potentially your loved ones, friends that could be on the same roadway, or just complete strangers that maybe we should care about. Excellent. Well, in our deep dive, we're going to talk a little bit about staffing, because you talked a little bit about that at our uh, luncheon. So uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit of uh, staffing with uh, Lincoln P Police Chief Michon Morrow. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate effect on the success of the program. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com. 
where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. On this edition of the Lincoln Business Beat, a double deep dive with Lincoln Police Chief Michonne Morrow. The Liebel Luncheon uh, a few weeks ago, Bud, um, we saw the chief with a nice presentation about staffing. And I was I was really impressed with the uh, long range work and effort that uh, that you presented, Chief, and just wondered um, how long a, is this just an ongoing thing? We hear about staffing. We talk about workforce issues here. Just uh, you know, quite a process that LPD is working through. And I believe, if I'm my memory serves me correctly, in your command staff role, you worked on this uh, a, a lot more than a lot of people. I had uh, an opportunity when I was assistant chief to have education personnel, which is then recruitment and our hiring in my purview. So I, I did get to spend a lot of time with it. Quickly learned that I'm not an expert in advertising and recruiting. And so we really had to reach out and, and get help because it just you can't do the same thing over and over again and expect different results in the world that we're living in today. And we were not being successful and just maintaining status quo of how we advertise and recruit. And so we've, we really had to spread our wings and get some, some people around us to help us grow in that capacity. Excellent. So I think first, before we go into kind of your plan that you outlined, I think it's important to talk about like authorized strength. Mm -hmm. So talk about like, what is our author? Okay. So I'm going to do a three part question. What does authorized strength mean? Number two what is our authorized strength, and then where are we today? Okay. Or, well, I guess right now. Right, right. Today is a loose <laughs> a term, for A little bit of a moving target. So our authorized strength um, right now is 371. And what that means is we can hire up to 371 commissioned officers. And actually, we can hire about 10 over. If we were at 371, we could hire to about 381, and that is for our academy. So we could have 10 additional sitting in our academy because we know that through attrition throughout the year that we will continue to lose. So that that number can ebb and flow for us. Um, and when I say attrition, that's you know people moving on for a different career path, they're retiring, you know whatever that looks mm-hmm. like for them and their decisions. Right now, I did not look at the number today, but we are probably sitting around 332 or 3. So we are, we are below our authorized strength. And what we are doing now and what I shared at LIBA is working really hard to make sure that we are forecasting out and predicting where our staffing may take us in concert with conversations with our community and what those needs are and internally, what do we recognize that we're not doing the best and that we need to put more resources and attention towards. And that is that forecast that I shared. And with that, it is trying to be intentional. So when we hire a class that um, will eventually graduate from our um, recruit class, graduate from FTO and become commissioned officers for us that we can place, in the past, we would just get excited. Like, we just got 10 more bodies. Where should they go? And right now, we are working very hard to be intentional with those so we're not kind of shotgunning it. Like, we've really thought through where the placement of those additional staff members should go. 
again, to, to meet our mission and our objectives of why we exist, and then to create opportunities for those that are currently serving in our department. Excellent. Uh, one other thing, just real quick, before we get into that plan, too, you had talked about kind of, I'll call it the industry standard, the mm-hmm. target. I mean, obviously, if if resources of money and officers were no object, what is kind of the target that everyone tries to achieve? You know, um, you can still find this out on on the the internet if you research it. And a target that we have used pretty frequently in law enforcement is 1.5 officers per 1,000. That if you did the math right now, you know, we would need to hire like 100 more officers. And when we really sit and look at that, it, it you know, that's a hard sell. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't really tell our why. We wanted to make sure that when we're asking for officers and that support from our community that, that we need to have or that we should have, we needed to have an explanation for each one of those mm-hmm. officers. And what we really found is, I mean, 100 more officers, sure, that would be amazing. But um, we don't just need warm bodies we showing don't. up, right? I yeah. mean, it's, it's there's not, a process. Not realistic. Follow, yeah. And so we, we took a realistic look at this. And, you know, just getting ourselves back up to authorize strength can do amazing things. And that's kind of that forecast that I showed that we will add to our special victims unit. We're going to add another domestic violence investigator. We need to add another investigator dedicated to adult sexual assault investigations and human trafficking. We know that we need to grow our traffic unit. Um, Right now, our traffic unit is actually what I'm going to term disbanded because we have had to use them to backfill our, our community-based policing team. So first and foremost, we can answer those calls for service when the 911 phone rings. We want to have enough staffing to put them not only back in place, which is six that we need to return to the traffic unit, but we want to grow. So with those increased numbers that we are experiencing with fatalities, there's a lot of causes, there's a lot of whys, and, and we could mm-hmm. talk about that for a long period of time, but just the most evident is Lincoln continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And as Lincoln continues to grow, that's more traffic on our roadways. And so we know that we need to grow our traffic unit. So these are the the conversations that we're having on a regular basis. And again, sharing with our community to weigh them out. Are we making the right decisions? And we have forecasted out a year now. So it's six months at a time. And that coincides with uh, our recruit classes mm-hmm. coming out of the academy and FTO and then graduating. And if, if right now that year forecast to get everything that we need on like that first year's wish list, we really, beyond that authorized strength, only need about 14 officers. That's in the, the year. Now, there's there's future growth as the city continues to grow and mm-hmm. we identify additional needs. But we're trying to keep that target very realistic um, in terms of our needs and then, of course, the, the city's expectations from us. But it's, it's not that large number anymore. And we, we can do great things um, just even with a little bit more of a bump in that authorized strength. But first and foremost, we just have to, we have to get to authorized strength before um, we can make those future plans beyond that year. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think what I saw in that presentation was a very methodical approach of this is what is needed. Mm-hmm. This is where we need to address it. And, and I mean, it's kind of a 24-25 plan. 2024, 2025, yep. um, which which made a lot of sense to me. And it and again, I go back to the, these are our needs, and this is what we need to do to address these things. And I think, you know, 
I, I think we can all appreciate that that's the approach. It's not just, well, we need 100 officers, so we're going to hire 22 in the first recruit class and 28 in the next one and 45 in the next. You know, it's, right. it's not that kind of approach because it's not realistic. Talk about kind of the size of the current recruit class and, and, and help us understand because you really kind of have two different recruit classes. And this is a layperson talking mm-hmm. because you have um, you have your new recruits that are coming in and going through. And then you got laterals. I needed a pause there to right. come up with the lateral term. So just talk about those things a little bit. So right now we have been actually since July hiring for our January class and our January <clears throat> class, um, we were hiring for new recruits and laterals. As of right now, we have one lateral confirmed. And so this, this person, um, generally speaking, laterals that, um, that come into our organization have a shorter timeline in training because they have that experience. And so we will pull them out early if they're in our full regular academy where they can start um, their field training officer program. And then that's also shortened because they know how to be an officer. We're just teaching them how to be an officer in Lincoln, like the Lincoln way of doing business. So that's the January class. We are hoping to have a March lateral only class. And we can start a lateral in that mid-year cycle for us just for that reason. It is a shortened time frame for us. And then um, if we time it right, they come out of the, their academy at the same time that January class started. And so then we just all we have them all starting in the field training officer program kind of in that like late May, early June time frame. So we're hiring for both, and we hire all the time. We're constantly taking applications. It's one thing that I'm incredibly proud of, our team through education and personnel and and our partnership with the city, uh, Human Resources. We have really worked deep to work through challenges and understand where we lose our applicants and kind of the why behind that, and we're making adjustments and tweaks, and we think that we are getting to a point that we, we're where we need to be, um, especially then with our campaigns on recruiting that you know, we're hoping that soon that this will, will pay dividends. You know, again, we've got some really big wins through the state legislature. We think it's amazing um, the, the bill that was passed last year that allows for dependence of law enforcement officers in the state of Nebraska to attend a state institution free of charge. You know, um, one, one of the things that we, we kind of joke around about is like ta- talking about, you know, athletics is the transfer portals open. Like, we awesome. Are, we are waiting to bring them into Nebraska. I'm telling you, if you get that TikTok video, you might have NIL opportunities <laughs> right. open for your officers. We'll talk offline about okay. which officers I nominate for that. One, one of the things when it comes to recruitment and new applicants especially, uh, you don't just take every applicant right. based on when they come in. You've got a, quite a process to go through to become a, a trainee. Yeah, and you know, I and I'm glad that you bring this up because it's something that we need to continue to work on on the education side is to get hired as a law enforcement officer specifically at the Lincoln Police Department it is not like application in interview and then you start we are we are working very hard to shrink that time frame but it's several months and it's because it is an arduous process we we believe in the service that we provide and we want the right people and so uh, while we're changing processes our standards are still very high in, in who we want to join our organization. You know, they 
there are some things that are mandated. They have to take the TABE. It's the test of adult basic education. They have to take a PRET. That's their physical readiness entrance test. They have backgrounds that we have to do. They take a polygraph. They take a medical. They have a psychological evaluation. And we lose people all along the way in that process. And we believe that when we give a final offer that, you know, we've got the right people. What we need is just to continue to um, generate more excitement and more applications on the front end and hopefully continue to tweak and make the, the right changes to con allow people more success in the process to, to get more final offers. Excellent. Okay, so um, what are some things uh, – so you talked about like the next couple of years – you just summarize again kind of those areas that you're trying to address um, as far as, you know, the victims unit, the mm -hmm. traffic unit. What were a couple of the others? I'm trying to remember, and I don't have my presentation in front of me. So. That's okay. I didn't bring it either, but I, I think I have this memorized. We, in some of the changes that we made in the last couple of years, we um, eliminated our team detectives. And those were um, sergeants who were operating in an investigative capacity on our teams, our community-based policing teams. And, you know, when, sometimes when you make a change, you always should be able to look back in the rearview mirror and understand the impact. And what we understand is that it was a loss for us, and we want to bring that back. And so we are bringing back the investigative component at our teams, but it's going to be as an officer. So we're bringing back team investigators they will actually start in January. It's a process that we're doing now. We're all, but we hope to double that, so we will be bringing them back. The other thing that we're um, looking at doing, and this is kind of in our what's next category, is making sure that we're providing opportunities within scheduling. Um, it's hard. We're 24-7. You know, you you got to work a while to get seniority, to have weekends off. You're going to work holidays. And as any any business owner or anyone that works in our workforce understands that 2020 changed everything. There's this a, a different workforce. There's different expectations that were created with the ability to work from home and Zoom. Uh, but I think everyone can understand that we don't get to do that in law enforcement. Be hard to zoom in as a police hard, officer. Hard to zoom I'm just in. Saying. So we are working to make sure that we still stay attractive and provide that work-life balance. It's important for our officers. And one of the things that we are looking at doing is, to the best of our abilities, when staffing uh, is at a point that we can, especially starting on our third shift, is making them all 10 hours uh, so they have three days off because it's so disruptive of a schedule already. And we frequently are asking them to come back for court. So their sleep, and sometimes it's on their, their days off, gets, gets pretty messed up for them. And so we're trying to provide some stability. So that is, that's a, a, in the future when we can on staffing. We are creating additional specialized positions. Again, those team investigators, additional opportunities. Um, we have a, a new exciting role now that we are just finishing the process for, and that's technical flight officer. This, in, this they'll actually go up in the Nebraska State Patrol helicopter we have so many officers that are excited. Can we do about a this. ride along on this? Yeah, but me first. Program? Me okay. first. <laughs> um, I suppose we can let the chief right? be the first ride along, but I'm going to beg for second. <laughs> right. That um, we're really excited about that, and we know that this will help us um, address our auto thefts. We can't. You know, we have to use caution on pursuing and replicating those dangerous driving behaviors. So if we can watch them from the air until they get themselves stopped, then we have more of an opportunity to take them into custody safely. 
safely for them, ourselves, and our community. We're really excited about that opportunity. So growing, again, the traffic unit, our special victims unit, we know that we will have to also grow our criminal investigations, the general crim. They are working the robberies and the, the burglaries, our um, violent crimes, uh, the gang unit. All of that we know that eventually we will will need to grow. Excellent. So, um, I, Chief, I appreciate all of your time. This has been awesome. We could sit here, well, I don't know about Mark, but I could sit here all day uh, and just talk about the things that you're doing. And I... I want to thank you and our entire department. I, um, since I've come to Liba, I've had the opportunity to get to know some of the officers. Um, okay, can I tell you a funny story about my first meeting with the police union when I got started? <laughs> yeah, okay. please do. So I'm not going to tell you who the president was, but the president says, hey, we'd like to meet you. So through channels, I've. I call him and I reach out. And I'm like, okay, I'll come meet you guys. So the union has an office here in town. And so they have me over to the office and I walk in and they're sitting at this table and he's like, hey, grab yourself a donut and a coffee. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, okay, donuts, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. can we not meet a stereotype anymore? Than- anyway, but I've gotten to know those folks and, mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate them and like I've done, I don't know, half a dozen ride-alongs in the last four years, and and watched kind of, you know, different teams. Uh, center team was fun because I worked about the time the bars were closing. Oh yeah. Um, and there was something going on, and a couple officers took off running, and like I just kept walking down the street. I was like, I'm not going to run after police officers because that looks really bad. But like I'm, you know, I just walk and and watch and observe and and. The, the why that's in our department, I think, is really there. Um, I, I've been impressed with the folks that I've been able to uh, get to know and do the ride-alongs with. I really appreciate you over the last couple of years. We've gotten to know each other a little better um, through different meetings. And then now as you've become um, the chief, and I'm just going to call you the chief until somebody tells me I can't. So you're my chief. How about that? <laughs> um, and I have all the power in the world. So, But I appreciate you and the department and what you do for our city because it, it, it can be a thankless job. And, you know, Usually a police officer is not pulling you over to say, hey, bud, congratulations. You just won a $50 gift card. It's, you know, it's those kind of things. But every interaction that I've ever had with those folks has been awesome. And I appreciate you and what they do for our community and to keep it safe. Thank you. So, Mark, you got any final questions? Oh, I've got a million of them, but <laughs> I'm only <laughs> allowing you one. I've been kind of hogging things today, so I got to be nice to my buddy the, Mark. The one question is: Would you consider coming back again sometime in 2024? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, and we'll put her on the list. That that type of transparency, I think, is very important, not only for uh, LPD, but for those of us in the media, those of us that have businesses, LIBA members, uh, getting to know and understanding that uh, these are humans that believe in the city, believe in their mission, and carry it out. Um, and I've appreciated your uh, transparency since you've been in this position. So thank you very much. Look thank forward you. to having you back. Thanks, Chief. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. The Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, our guest today... Lincoln Police Chief, Michonne Morrow. I'm Mark Vail, reminding you the Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890Nebraska.com 
where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes.